Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you, and we worship you, and we thank you so very much for Sunday mornings. God, we thank you that on Sunday mornings we gather together with other people that we might worship you. We are informed by all of that, God, by the truth of your word. And so yet again on Sunday morning we want to do that, but today's special. This is the one resurrection Sunday morning that is more emphasized than all the others. But Father, we know they're all equal. For a risen Savior is a risen Savior, and folks that gather together to worship Him do it often. But Father, we have this holiday, and we're thankful for it. And we ask now that you would lead us in worship, that you would open our eyes up and our hearts up to the truth of your word. And we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. If you would please turn in the Bible to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, I ask you to use the pew Bible there, the black one. It's page 931, 931 in the pew Bible, Mark chapter 10. Here at our church, we're preaching through the Gospel of Mark, and we're moving right along through it. And thankfully, it worked out that this Easter Sunday morning, we have a passage that deals with the resurrection. It worked out that way, and we're thankful for it. So we're not needing to drift away from the series that we're in or the book that we're in. We've been going through Mark. I want to say Happy Easter to all of you. Easter's a special holiday. We don't need to rank holidays, you know. We don't need to say which one's our best or our favorite, you know. Some people like Halloween best. We'll have no comment. Some people like Christmas better. Uh, you know, we don't need to rank them. We can just say they're nice, right? They're, they're enjoyable. Uh, they're pleasant. Some of y'all have some plans to get together with family this afternoon. Uh, I've called everywhere trying to order some chicken for today, and I was late doing that, and wife's getting on me for being late on ordering the chicken. But holidays are special, and Easter especially. And I was thinking that Easter's kind of got me a, a little bit emotional. For I remember things like my dad used to always take us to visit his parents. Do some of y'all do that? Do you dads take your children to, to see your parents? That was special for me. My, my dad's parents have passed away now. My grandparents have. But, but I remember on Sundays or Easter Sunday, that we would go, and we didn't go over there much, but we did on Easter Sunday, and that, that means something. I've been remembering that, because we don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't see them anymore. They're gone. But Easter's special like that, and I hope that you know it is. And I hope that here over the next few minutes to take it being special and, and really make it more special with some depth and some meaning to it for Easter's about Jesus. But it really is special. This week, I had a call. We've got a few church members that are homebound. We, we call them shut-ins. They're not able to get out. They're not able to attend church. And we've got some that are widows and well into their 90s and, and really not that uh, easily able to get out and about. But I got a call from one this week that said, I'm going to do everything I can, Pastor Josh, to be there. And I was so happy that she called, and I was happy that she was wanting to, and unfortunately, uh, she wasn't able to make it this morning. She woke up sick, not feeling well, and so she's not here today. But that, that's meaningful that she even thought to, to let us know that she was going to try to, she was going to make the effort, and then it's a little bit sad that she wasn't able to. 
But another thing that just happened to me as we were standing here, even during the greeting time, so after our 1045 start time, somebody brought their phone to me and it was on FaceTime. And I've never ever done FaceTime during church before. But it was a church member of ours who is serving in the U.S. military, who is on base right now. And she called to say, Happy Easter. It's pretty cool, isn't it? A lot of feelings like that that go on 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 this day. But I want to teach you today that for all of the good reasons that we get feelings or we get emotional, there must be a root to it. There must be a foundation or a meaning. There must be a depth. Nothing will ruin our lives more than being emotional and having feelings with no substance to it. And some of y'all know that really well. Some of you females really know that really well. But today, may God, through his word, under the idea of the resurrection, the risen Lord, may God bring all that together. Read with me, if you will, at Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. We're going to read three verses, 32, 33, and 34. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. What a passage. Jesus and his followers and his other followers and a crowd of people are heading to town. They're going to Jerusalem. They're heading to the big city, if you will. And while they're going that way, there's a lot of emotions. And Jesus starts to talk. And he tells them what awaits him. We know what awaits him because we've read the Bible and we know that he dies on a cross and then he rises again. It's Easter Sunday. But he's telling them that this is going to happen. I want you to hear today from the very beginning that Jesus Christ is God and Jesus is the Savior of the world. Apart from Jesus, we will not be saved. In this passage, he is predicting it and he brings it to pass. R.C. Sproul writes that Christianity rests on the certainty of Jesus' resurrection as an occurrence in history. The Gospels have it as their goal with the empty tomb and resurrection appearances and the book of Acts insists upon it. Paul, who wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, regarded the resurrection as indisputable proof that the message about Jesus as judge and savior is true. In other words, you could say that all of this hinges on the resurrection. 
Is Jesus alive or is he not? Was the tomb really empty or was it a fraud? It all hinges on that. And in our passage today, he predicts it. I want to give you three points. Number one, life is emotional. Life is emotional. Verse 32 says they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and this is very common with the life of Jesus. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any of the four Gospels, you will quickly notice that Jesus is going somewhere. He is literally on a mission. The Bible tells us beforehand that Jesus was going to die. Jesus was predicted to die. God had planned for him to die. There is no forgiveness of sins apart from the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and faith in it. So all of the stories of the Bible are bringing us to the point of getting, understanding Jesus had to die. So when you read that he, they were on the road and they were going somewhere, part of it is they were just happened to be going somewhere, but part of it is there's a destination. I preached through the Gospel of Luke a couple years ago, and y'all remember that? It took us a long time, and we walked through the whole thing. But there's that key point at Luke chapter 9, verse 51, when it says Jesus got all resolute, and he resolved to set his face toward Jerusalem. And when Luke wrote that in the Gospel, what Jesus meant was, enough of this Galilean ministry, that's over. Now it's time for me to head to my appointment. Jesus had an appointment in life to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus had a destination to get to the cross and die, and he was determined to get there. So when we read in the Gospels that he was on the move and on the go and trying to get somewhere, it was to get to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem he would die on a cross, and he knew that. And so when when Mark writes here they were on the road and they were going up to Jerusalem, you're supposed to understand that means he's headed to the cross. Let me make it a little bit more clear. You remember that last Sunday was Palm Sunday? Some of y'all know that. And, and, and in Palm Sunday, what it is, is that's the celebrating of when Jesus' triumphal entry, right? And he entered into Jerusalem. He had gotten there. When he got to Jerusalem, it was on. It was on. He was really now headed to the cross. The Passion Week from Palm Sunday to Good Friday to Easter Sunday, the Passion Week is loaded with Jesus taking step by step by step to get to the cross. There were times where he would avoid the good to get to the negative. There were times when they're trying to arrest him and people tried to stop it and he said, don't stop it. There were times when they were beating him and people tried to stop it. He said, don't stop it. There were times when they said, if you'll speak up, we'll let you go free. He stayed silent. Jesus was going to die. He was getting there. And when Mark writes this, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. You and I are to hear, he's focused. He is focused. It says Jesus was walking ahead of them, and now here come all the emotions. It says they were amazed. Then it says those who followed were afraid. Those are kind of two different feelings, aren't they? Sometimes your amazement can make you uh, fearful, but sometimes it's different, right? My, point, my first point today is that life is emotional. What were they amazed about? And Jesus was amazing. And the Bible teaches us that through and through. And often we see uh, amazement because he would heal people and he would uh, provide food and he would do the miraculous or he would walk on water or he would calm a storm or he'd make somebody who's never spoken before speak or he'd make somebody who's never seen before see. Jesus did that. He did that a lot. He did that often. And people were amazed at it, but that's not the amazement here. 
What were they so amazed about? They were amazed of how focused he was on getting to Jerusalem. They knew that once they got into the city, there would be great opposition to him. They knew that many were opposed to him, and they were amazed at it. Jesus seemed to be uh, unhindered or, or nothing getting in the way. That's where he's going. And they seemed to know that there was quite a bit of opposition to Jesus. And it was amazing at how he was unfazed by it. Unfazed by it. You know, we get phased by a lot of stuff, don't we? We're quite emotional. Yesterday we had the uh, youth league opening day. We had the parade and it was awesome. And we got a boy on our team that's, He's just learning, and it's fun to coach him. He, he can't really hit or throw or catch yet, but that's okay. He'll get there. That's what's happened when you're young, right? You, you, it's okay. Not a big deal. And we're walking. We walk from the high school down Fairdale Road. We turn into the youth league, and he came up right beside me. We're almost to the field. He came up right beside me. I put my arm around him. I said, you ready to play? This is a seven-year-old boy. I said, you ready to play? He said, coach, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> Sometimes we get nervous, don't we? And sometimes we get emotional. And here in this passage, they see Jesus dialed in, and they're his followers. If your leader's about to face opposition, what's that mean for you? If your boss gets fired, what's that mean for you? They were amazed at him. But then there were others following too, and they were scared. It says that they were afraid. Another type of emotion. You ever been scared before? Some of y'all are fearful right now. Some of y'all are going through things in life that make you afraid. Life's emotional like that. Some of y'all are tired. Some of y'all are frustrated. Some of y'all are stressed. There are a lot of emotions, and we feel them. There are more emotions in this passage, too. Look down. In verse 34, he tells us that there will be people that mock him. Now, he's not telling us exactly who this is. We'll see it later. But there's somebody out there that's getting a kick out of making fun of him. And y'all have seen mocking happen before. I hope you don't take part in it. But mocking is, is somebody taking pleasure or joy or satisfaction out of making fun of someone. That's an emotion, but it's not a good one, but they were. They were mocking him, and they were spitting on him. They are flogging him, scourging him. They were beating him, abusing him. They wanted to kill him, and they would, but that's an emotion too. That's hatred. That's, that's evil. That's disgust. That's wanting to do away with somebody. That's jealousy. That's pride. That's there. Life is emotional. I experienced a lot of emotions yesterday. We had three ball games. JJ had a game, Eli had a game, and Noah had a game up at the high school. We were there yesterday for a long time. And some of the games were really close. One came down to bases loaded, down by one in the final inning, right? That's emotional. The other one was a pretty good game, and, and, and they won by, by several runs. Then one of my sons, his, his, he lost. That's hard, right? Those are hard things to deal with when you're six, seven, or nine years old. When you're the parent, that's a lot to deal with. Y'all ever seen parents at Youth League recently? A lot of emotions there. 
A lot of emotions. Life is emotional. Why is it so? Why are we that way? And that's a good question. I wish we were all having lunch together and we could have a big discussion on why we are emotional. Second point. Number one, life's emotional. Number two, life is emotional because it is spiritual. Some of y'all may not agree. Some of y'all have never thought about it before, but I'm going to tell you why it's emotional. Life is emotional because it is spiritual. Here's what I mean by it being spiritual. It matters. Things matter. If there is no spirit, if God is not real, then nothing matters, right? You can make a real strong case. Go talk to somebody. Go talk to somebody that does not believe in God. If you have some friends that are, that are atheistic, you have some friends that don't believe in God, talk to them. They, they will make a good, strong argument that, that ultimately nothing really matters. We're not accountable to anyone. In the end, it's not really going to make a difference. It doesn't really matter, right? But I would say that is the farthest thing from the truth. Do not believe that. It matters. The type of friend that you are matters. The type of employee that you are matters. The type of neighbor that you are matters. The type of youth league coach that you are matters. The type of husband you are, wife that you are, father you are, mother you are. Name it, name it, name it, name it, name it. It matters. And it matters in a big way. Why? Because life is spiritual. Life is emotional, and the reason why it's emotional is because it matters. If things don't matter, then you wouldn't cry, you wouldn't get mad, you wouldn't fight, but it matters. And the reason why some of y'all are burning right now with anger or frustration or stress or depression is because something deep inside of us really, really matters. Something is bothering us. Something is getting at us. Something is convicting us, and it matters, try as we might to say that it doesn't matter it's still bothering you because it matters oh i wish that we would just get it we try so hard you try so hard to say well it really doesn't matter it doesn't matter it does and you know that it does And Christians, I hope, are trying to help you. And when somebody like me gets involved in your lives, and I'm trying to constantly like send you a text or point you to the word or, or pray with you or ask you about Jesus or invite you to church or whatever, I promise you that I'm not trying to make you religious. I'm trying to get you to see that these things matter. These things matter. Notice. It's just Jesus and some disciples walking to Jerusalem. Why all the emotions? You don't have Jesus turning around going, you've got to stop being so emotional. You've got Jesus explaining how much it matters. You ever had a friend who anytime somebody starts acting like something matters, they start making fun of you because you're emotional? You got any of those people in your family that, that are overly emotional and so there's other people trying to say, stop being so emotional? Imagine if you're on the road walking to Jerusalem with your leader and people are emotional and he turns around and says, oh, by the way, guys, let me tell you something. You see, we're heading up here to Jerusalem and just let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to come after me. They're going to hate me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to flog me and then they're going to kill me. Okay, y'all ready for that? You got it? The emotions just went, Psh. the emotions just went, 
exponentially greater. All of a sudden, this walk really, really matters. When's this going to happen? How soon is this going to happen? What do you mean that they're about to spit on you? Because I'm not used to seeing people get spat upon. What do you mean that they're about to abuse you and mock you? Because I don't take that really well. What do you mean that they're going to kill you, Jesus? What am I supposed to do if they kill you and you're gone? All of a sudden, things started to matter, and when things start to matter, they got emotional. When are you most emotional? You ever had a child? You ever had a child? That'll make you emotional, won't it? When you all of a sudden realize that you're now responsible for another human... That'll make you emotional. You ever lost a loved one? I did a funeral on Friday for a 90-year-old man. He had two daughters. It was a good, good service, sweet family. They just sat there weeping. They said he had a good long life, 90 years. But they sat there weeping. Why? It matters. Dad's gone. Stuff matters. We get emotional at births. We get emotional at deaths. What about failures? You ever been down on yourself? You ever said, I can't believe that I did that? I'm never going to let it down. They're never going to forgive me. I'm never going to be able to repair it or fix it. You ever gotten emotional over your failures? You ever made a mistake before and just had to admit, I messed up? What about your successes? Just a few months ago, the basketball tournament came to an end, and my kids enjoyed watching a lot of the the March Madness games. It was an emotional time and yet a teaching time because... At the end of every game, one team would jump and cheer and huddle up. And, you know, it's common now. Somebody takes the ball and, like, slings it into the air. And our kids would see that. And they'd say, why did he just throw the ball? I'd say, he's happy. He's happy. But then they'd go right to the other team, right? You ever seen that? And there's seniors on the other team. And they're over there on the bench crying. Y'all have seen that, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Seniors are sitting on the bench crying. And my kids are going, because they're always taught, don't cry. The kids are going, why are they crying? A big old six foot six guy sitting on the bench crying. Why is he crying? Does your final career basketball game matter? You better believe it does. That's why they're crying. Why does it matter? Because life's spiritual. There is depth to life. There is meaning to life. In every single little thing, it matters. We're emotional because we're spiritual. God made you, and God made you the way that you are, that you have emotions. The Bible teaches us that God made you, listen to me, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, God made you like God. You are made like God. You are made in the image of God. The Bible literally says that God said, I'm going to make them in my likeness. You reflect God. You are similar to God. Now you're not God. 
You are created in the image of God, but you are flawed with your sins. But God made you like him. And God, in all of his goodness and all of his glory and holiness, all of his wisdom and brilliance, made you the way you are. You have feelings, you have, emotionals and all, you have emotions and all of that. And that means that you are a spiritual being. You know, every once in a while, we hear people talk about their spiritual life, right? And so some of these people that you would characterize as not very spiritual at all, all of a sudden will let you know, well, I've got a spiritual life to me. I've got some books at home that I read about spirituality, or there's some things that I do on the weekend that nobody else would ever have known about that, that makes me spiritual. And so we, we, we say we have a life that also has a spiritual life. Folks, that is something that we say all the time, but that is not true for any of us. We are all spiritual. God made us. And we either know God through the forgiveness of sins or we don't know God, okay? So everybody in the room right now and everybody on the planet is spiritual. You are a spiritual life. You don't have a spiritual life as a little compartment. You are a spiritual life. And every single thing that you say or do or think is having something going on with your relationship or God for better or for worse. You're either living for him or living against him. But you are spiritual through and through and through. And your life is either going for his praise or neglecting him but you are spiritual I know what you mean when you say he's got a little spiritual life we're trying to add something in there but that's not right we are spiritual okay life is emotional because it's spiritual all of us is spiritual life's emotional life's emotional because it's spiritual but then lastly Life is spiritual because life is about God. Life is spiritual because life's about God. In our passage, with all the emotions, as they're on the way to Jerusalem, what Jesus brings up has got to be the last thing that anybody else would ever have brought up. You ever been hanging out with somebody? Perhaps they're older than you. I'm not trying to suggest that older people die sooner because we don't know when we're going to die. But you ever been hanging out with somebody and just said, I know you're about to die soon. You've probably not done that. I hope not. Have a little bit more common courtesy than that. Well, I see that you're aging. Oh, you're about to die. Or I see that you're making all types of dumb decisions. Probably not going to be long, right? I hope not. But this is what Jesus does. They're walking, they're emotional, they're taking all this in. And Jesus says, let me tell you what's about to happen. I'm about to die. And I'm about to go through it in the worst of ways. There will be a deliverance over to the Gentiles who will condemn him to death. Y'all know the story. He was put on trial. They have a custom that they will release a prisoner. They had Jesus and Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. They said, who do you want to let free? Jesus, who's innocent, or Barabbas, who's guilty of murder? And the crowd said, let Barabbas go. Kill Jesus, kill Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. That's the scene. 
Jesus didn't argue back. Jesus didn't resist. He had us and the Father's will on his mind. Jesus went through with it. They mocked him. They spit on him. They flogged him. And they killed him. He's telling them that that's going to happen. And it did. They took him there. He had to carry his cross. He was so beaten, you know this, he was so exhausted that he couldn't carry his cross any longer. They, got, they grab a guy out of the crowd and have him carry the cross for Jesus. They get there and they lay Jesus down. It took three nails and they nail him to the cross. They lift him up on the cross. And Jesus dies from suffocation because he's hanging and when he's hanging he can't breathe and he suffocates and dies. The Old Testament said that they wouldn't break any of his bones and so when they come by to break their bones they come by with a, with a stick and a rod and break their legs to kind of speed up the dying process on the cross because the way you keep, uh, stay alive on the cross is you, you push up like this and you, to catch your breath and then you fall back down and you're suffocating that way. And so if it's taking too long, it's about dark or something like that, they just come by and hit them with a rod and break their legs and that way they can't push up anymore and they just hang. But the Old Testament had told us that they would not break any of Jesus' bones. So they show up there and they're breaking bones and breaking legs and they get to Jesus and they're about to break his legs and one of the officers says, I think he's dead already. Wow. So you know what they did? They, they grabbed a giant sword and you've heard this. They, they go there and they pierced his side, right? They took the sword and they pierced his side. And they saw that when the blood came out, they saw, well, he, he is dead. So they said, we don't need to break his legs. Well, God had told us that none of his bones would be broken. And they weren't. He was dead. So they took him down off the cross. And one man who had a nice tomb asked, can I have his body? They say, yeah. They take him and they bury him. They made sure, they insisted upon it that the tomb be closed up, make sure it's sealed. They put the Roman soldiers around it, make sure you guard it, don't let anybody get in there and don't let anybody out. This thing's sealed up. Three days later, tomb's empty, guards are scared. Jesus is alive. Sin could not stop Jesus. But he could deal with it and overcome it as he did. The devil could not stop Jesus. And he tried really hard. And it really looked like they were winning. Death could not stop Jesus. And it made a good attempt. He was dead. But death cannot stop Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. And he did that. Listen to me. So that anybody who would hope in him would be forgiven of their sins and be saved. That is why God made you. That is why you're emotional. That is how life makes sense. Life is about God. 
But none of our spiritual compartments are going to make sense. None of our emotions are going to make sense. None of it's going to really come together and flow. None of it's going to really bring depth and meaning to our heart and our soul on the inside. None of it's really going to work until we see God forgives of our sins through what Jesus has done. And we get so caught up and is it about church or is it about this or are you Baptist or are you not? And we get caught up in everything in the world that will distract us and then we continue to be frustrated by our emotions and we tend to be confused by our emotions and we then think, well, I know that's kind of pointing to me being spiritual. I know these things matter, but I'm not really good at making sense of why it matters. So we push it away and push it away and push it away. Perhaps the best emotional person that I can tell you about is some that I'm very familiar with. It's the dad or the grandfather who hates being emotional. So he's always avoiding it, right? You ladies know men who are avoiding their emotions. You don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't know how to handle it. And so we avoid it. The reason why that is at play, the reason why that's a real scenario is because those emotions matter, but because we have not sought the forgiveness of sins in order to make life make sense through God, we don't know how to understand life. That's who we are. We are a people that are getting so much of life right. We know that life's emotional. We know that life's spiritual. We know that things matter, but we don't know how to understand them. And so we struggle. Jesus here is putting it all together in that he lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we were going to die. He took the punishment from God. He took the judgment from God so that we don't have to. And what I'm really telling you here today is that we're emotional because we're spiritual. And we're spiritual because life's about God. And that we need to come to know God. And you come to know God through Jesus. Our spiritual lives won't be truly spiritual until we believe in Jesus as king. Our spiritual lives won't be truly spiritual until we come to God for forgiveness. Imagine, imagine walking on the road that day, headed to Jerusalem. And he tells you, guys, I'm about to die. But three days later, I will rise. The Gospels tell us they didn't fully understand it yet because it hadn't happened. But the rest of the New Testament tells us that that single work of Jesus dying and rising again is the work that can make your life fulfilled. That is the work that can bring your soul peace. That is the work that can satisfy your heart. And some of y'all have been saying, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying my best and I'm emotional, but I just, I just can't seem to make it work. I just can't seem to make a break or, or things just don't make sense. Or, or, we act like that. Because we've not come to see Jesus as the answer to life, and the answer to bringing us to God. In keeping with all my baseball illustrations from yesterday, 
Yesterday, the Major League Baseball, Pro Baseball, had Jackie Robinson Day. Did y'all know that? And I'm glad they did. It was special. I think they're retiring his number completely, number 42, across the board, every team, everywhere. One of my favorite quotes from Jackie Robinson is this. A life is not important except in the impact that it has on other lives. A life is not important except on the impact that it has on other lives. In other words, life's not about you. Life's about something else. Well, Jackie Robinson made an impact on some lives, and I thank God for it, but Jesus gave his life for yours. Jesus took the punishment from God for sins so that you don't have to. And God, rose, God raised him from the dead to show it is true. Will you believe on Jesus? Some of y'all have never really gone all in on it. And some of y'all are quite emotional. And some of y'all are spiritual. We all are. But I'm asking you today to commit yourself to Christ as the center of life, the answer of life, because life's about God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that in a passage with just three verses, we can see the emotions, we can see the spiritual, and we can see God's plan to save us. Father, we pray here today, as we get ready to sing a song and then leave and be with family and loved ones, that we would not neglect getting right with you. Father, I pray, Father, I pray that we would be a people who know that life is about God, and this is where we make sense of our spirituality, our emotions, and that things matter. Father, work in our hearts now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.